Hello and welcome to Her Online Business Podcast, the podcast for aspiring and experienced female web entrepreneurs. I am Adama, your host, and here you will find digital marketing tips for building your online business, interviews from inspiring female entrepreneurs from all over the world, lessons and mistakes from my experience in entrepreneurship, and much more. I am passionate about helping other women live their dream life thanks to an online business that matches their passion and serves their purpose. So let's hang out, have fun, and grow together. Hello and welcome back to Her Online Business Podcast. Today we are continuing our series regarding business foundations and we are going to talk about money again. So if you didn't listen to episode 2 and episode 3 where I talk about business goals and money mindset, you should do that before listening to today's episode. My guest of the day is an expert in all finance related topics for businesses and private individuals. After over a decade working in trading, banking, and wealth management, holding several qualifications in financial advice, retirement planning, and investment management, she is prepared to deliver clarity, professionalism, and transparency to anyone looking to make sense of their financial future and gain peace of mind that everything is as it should be. Her name is Maria Jacob. Hi, Maria. Good morning, Adama. Thank you for having me today. You're welcome. It's nice to have you. So tell us a little bit more about you, where you live, where you're from, and how you started your career. Basically, I'm a, I'm a woman. I'm a wife and a, and a businesswoman at the same time. I've started in, uh, in short-term trading as an expat, actually. Mm-hmm. And after seven years of helping people understand how they can achieve their short-term financial objectives, I actually decided to move on onto the long-term needs. Dealing with the M word that everybody's scared of talking about, which is money. Yes. So in that respect, I moved on to uh, working with uh, HSBC Northampton as a personal banker. And in that respect, I noticed that there is definitely a significant need for people to understand what sort of options they have So they can actually do the things that they want to, not just tomorrow or the next day, but within the next uh, five or 10 or even 15 years. That's so needed. (laughs) It's, it's, for me, at least it's quite uh, interesting. But in that respect, having lived in the UK as an expat, I did come across quite a few challenges. So I decided to to return to Cyprus. And I've been here for, for almost 12 years. And... Since I came back to Cyprus, I actually tried to find a company which defines and shares the same interest and, of course, mm-hmm. the same values as mm-hmm. I do. Basically, to provide quality advice and, not, and make sure that the people that we help don't need to pay a fortune for it. So that's exactly how I, how, how I found the, the company that I've been collaborating for the past five years. Okay. And having done so, I can say I'm really, really lucky. Mm-hmm. to be able to help people from all walks of life. Yeah, that's amazing. And so you did part of your career in the UK and now you are based in Cyprus. Was it easy for you to continue your career abroad or did you face some challenges as an expat? 
Well, that's, that's a very good question. Um, I'm not sure whether I ever came across anybody who hasn't faced the challenge. Even, even if it's just packing and unpacking, I know that's, that can become a bit of a headache, especially when you, when you move countries. But in that respect, I'd say I've been blessed. And I'm blessed with stubbornness, if you like. Whenever I set my mind to something, I, I like to achieve it and I'm always willing to put in the effort. So in that respect, yes. I did come across challenges. I was uh, asked whether I speak English, regardless of the fact that I work for multinational companies across mm -hmm. the world. Uh, I was asked whether or not we ever see the moon where I'm from, which is one of the funny ones. <laughs> <laughs> and I was consistently challenged. I was challenged in terms of whether I can deliver what I promise mm -hmm. simply because I'm not, a, I'm not a native English speaker or just because I wasn't born in England or in Cyprus. Mm -hmm. For me, it was a situation uh, like, bring it on. Whatever you have to throw at me, I can overcome it. So yes, there were quite a lot of challenges, but as long as you really want to achieve something, mm -hmm. there are only opportunities to find new solutions to common problems. Yes, you're so right. I mean, it's difficult when you see yourself doing something, you have a, a true passion and a vision and you keep hitting obstacles. But for me, sometimes it's actually the proof that you are doing the right thing because you are going in a direction that not everybody is willing to follow. That is correct. Having to choose between career and family nowadays is a very significant aspect of a woman's life. Yes. Everybody likes to believe they are able to achieve greatness in their jobs. And to be honest, this is, this is one of the, the areas which should drive us in life. Not money, not numbers, not a beautiful house, not a nice car, but the ability to change something in this world. Yeah. Such, a, such a nice dream also comes with a lot of challenges. It's being tested at every step of the way, every single step of the way. Yeah. So the passion you have to achieve your goals is the only thing that will keep you going. The belief you have that you deserve success, yes. that you deserve to achieve the good things, and that mm -hmm. you can actually make a difference for, not just for yourself, but for the people around you as well. Yes, so true. And so you said yourself, you are a businesswoman, a wife. How can you balance it all? Let's just say that during my lifetime, I had the choice of splitting my efforts, either to build a career, which involves a lot of hours in the office, a lot of hours working from home, a lot of studying because this never ends in finance. There's always something new you need to learn about or building a family. This is actually one of the things I bumped into when I moved to Cyprus because the local culture says that a woman should be a housemaker, if you like. Mm -hmm. In the kitchen, cooking, cleaning, raising children, waiting for the husband, smiling at the door. Mm -hmm. Hi, honey. Good to have you back from work. Whilst I'd love to be a mom, and I'm still thinking about uh, having children, I focused a lot of time and effort, and of course, a lot of money in building myself first. And I'd like to tell you the reason why, because this is a choice every successful woman mm -hmm. comes across at least once in her lifetime. There's a little story that really depicts exactly uh, why I chose this. Imagine yourself in an ocean. There's a massive storm you're in an ocean. It's you and your child. You have one life vest. Who would get it? Tough question. <laughs> a 
that's the whole point. You know, in the plan, we always say that if anything happens, you should put your oxygen mask first before helping others. And there is a reason for that. The same with the life vest. If you give the life vest to your child, who doesn't have the knowledge and the ability to overcome significant obstacles, the child will not know how to move forward. Whereas if you take the life vest, you can actually hug your child in your arms and make sure that nothing happens to him or to her. So this is why I chose first to build myself before I'm able to actually raise a child, have everything in the same plane, you know, at the same level. Yeah, yeah. that's good. That's amazing. And so how do you help your clients and who are they? I like to help clients and I don't like to call them clients because <laughs> I don't see them as clients. The reason I'm choosing to help people from all walks of life is because when I was younger, my family actually lost all of their life savings mm -hmm. because of the lack of financial advice. So in that respect, I've seen what the lack of specialist advice, especially when it comes to money, can do to a family. So at this point in time, and ever since I've walked into finance, I've been helping people from all walks of life, from entrepreneurs, uh, managing directors, forensic accountants, bankers, basically anybody looking for some clarity around the options they have to get to the things that they want to achieve in life in terms of their finances. I see. And what would you say is their main common hurdle when it comes to finance in their life? The, the main hurdle, if you like, or a common, a common area that I come across when talking to people is their desire to do good by other people and at times they tend to forget about themselves <laughs> in that respect um, what comes to mind is investing all of their effort time and money in a business mm -hmm. without considering what would happen if that business were not to succeed so uh, a common misconception would be that uh, my business is my main source of income and my retirement plan whilst mm -hmm. it's an excellent plan it only works if everything is ideal and optimal in a business, which as we very well know, <laughs> businesses, business cycles go up and down. It's rare to reach a point where you have a significant stable income that will continue for the rest of your life. Yes. And so what would be the three tips that you would give to new entrepreneurs regarding their finances? The three tips, first and foremost, build a plan. I know it's very simple, but one of the main reasons I was able to, to build a nice career and achieve the things I wanted to do in life is because I built a plan and I worked the plan. It's that simple. The plan should not just include what you want, but also what you need. Yes. And in that respect, I believe that the budget is something that helps an aspiring entrepreneur quite a lot. I'm aware of the fact that you cannot, you cannot always quantify all the expenses you will have within the first year, let's say, because more often than not, the first year is one of the most important ones for a business. Mm -hmm. It's the year where you need to work and put in a lot of effort just to recover your investment. Yes. So in that respect, a budget should include a margin of five to 10% of unexpected expenses as well. And when you have a budget, try to stick to the budget as much as you like. I know that yeah. we, we tend to consider our, our businesses as our babies. So we're willing to put in whatever we have, we throw whatever we have at it. But mm -hmm. at some point, realistically, we need to look in the mirror and ask ourselves whether or not we're limiting ourselves financially and we have to go through significant hardship for an undetermined period of time. Yes. I'm not saying don't invest money. Every business will require money at some point during its uh, business life cycle. But we need to set a mental and a physical limit as to how much we're willing to invest financially 
time and effort wise in a business. I see. And so how long do you think should be plans? Because we see big corporations having five, 10, maybe 20 years plan. How long should your plan be when you are a new entrepreneur? I would say it's quite difficult to create projections beyond the second year. You can, but then the deviation to reality might just be quite high. We all envisage something beautiful. We all see that perfect plan, that business, that first day, the way we walk into the office or just wake up home and just sit in front of the computer, have a nice coffee and we start working with passion and the time just flies. However, during the first year, those days tend to be uh, rather than nine to five or nine to six, nine to midnight or even further, try to make sure that we put the business on its, on its feet. Mm -hmm. So I would say try to create a budget with projections for the first year, because this is one of the most important years of a business. If everything goes well, then you can start projecting further on down the business uh, path. You can create a five-year plan. It's always good. However, in reality, you need to make sure that you achieve success and financial returns, financial growth during the first year. Yeah. Once you have the right formula of what works for you, which of course it will be optimized throughout the business cycle, you can simply duplicate it. Do the same good things every single day and good things will come up. True. Repetition makes perfection actually. Exactly. Exactly. Another advice would be to reassess your needs. We will at some point, at least myself, I found, uh, I found myself quite often pushing, investing passion, investing my time, investing everything and just closing my ears and eyes and just focusing on the objective and going forward, forward, forward. At some point, we need to remember to reassess because whilst we're able to take on the pressure of building a business, the people around us have to be considered as well. And that's where family comes in. At some point, yes. myself, look, myself, I'm blessed with a very understanding husband. He allows me to work long hours when I say that I have to work. He understands my weekends. I share my work with, with my family in terms of time. I work a lot from home. So you need to make sure that the people around you understand the fact that within the first year of a business a lot of focus and a lot of attention will go towards the business yes true if there's a very blurred line in between work life and family life it's good to create a schedule and set a timer yes. i do that for myself sometimes because with a new business there's so many things to learn and you come uh, uh, you come across so many nice ideas when you do some research that time flies and then you realize that maybe you have less time to achieve the same objectives. So actually just set a, an alarm on my clock. That's such a great tip because especially when, you, as you said, when you are working from home, it's quite difficult and challenging to set some me time, business time and family time. And as you said, I think just having a clear schedule and simply communicating to your loved ones that from this time to this time, I'm busy doing this, but from this time and this time, I am 100% with you. And that is so important to keep this balance. Indeed. So do you have also maybe a third tip? A third tip would be try not to overestimate your financial abilities. Okay. <laughs> In a business, I came across a lot of times where I had to invest finance, a lot of money, a lot more money than I 
I wanted to. And at that point, I had to make a choice in between I continue down the path or up the path that I chose, or I simply put an end to it because it's becoming quite expensive. That's the point where you really need to wait the pros and cons, not just for yourself, but for your family as well. Is it, is it okay if you try to lend some money? Is it okay if you try to basically push some more finances, some more money into your business? Or would it be best to try and reconsider, regroup, take some time, take a step back, mm -hmm. a couple of days off to reconsider specifically whether there's a more optimal solution to achieve the same result? So in that respect, my third tip would be try not to overestimate your financial abilities. Businesses mm -hmm. tend to be, in some respect, just like a child. The more they, uh, the, the more they grow up, the more expenses Definitely. come up as well. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. So that would be my, uh, my third tip. Thanks. And so according to you, what are the common misconceptions that lead to financial hardships for some entrepreneurs? I, I believe these, these areas are, are um, converging yes. with, with, with uh, the, uh, the, uh, the stuff we discussed before. So I would say first and foremost, my business is my income and my retirement plan. That's a very common misconception and people forget to actually set some money aside for an emergency fund, for example, mm -hmm. which is the first thing everybody should have not just entrepreneurs, but everybody. An emergency fund would be something like a three to six times your monthly income. The money that you need, not just to pay bills and the rent or food if you like, but also to have a couple of hundreds on the side in case you need to visit the doctor or mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe to travel if required. So that would be the first thing. My business is my income and my retirement plan. 70 or more percent of the times, it doesn't pay off. It's a harsh reality. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean it has to lead to failure in our businesses. We just need to prepare better for the worst case scenarios. That's it. Mm -hmm. The second one would be all the eggs in one basket. This is, yes. this is very common. <laughs> all the effort, all the time, all the passion, everything in one basket. If this doesn't pay off, more often than not when we're faced with the, uh, the possibility of failure in a business, at least myself, I feel like the world is crashing down. I feel like mm -hmm. the roads are closing and I'm, I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to do. So in that respect, project a 1% possibility of failure just so you understand how would you react financially, how would you react mentally, and what sort of solutions, what sort of backup plans you can put together from mm -hmm. the financial perspective to keep yourself afloat and keep on going forward. And yes, I mean, the topic of do not put all your eggs in the same basket is so, so important. As you said, that even if you are uh, just an individual or a business owner, it is very important. But do you have any tip to concretely apply that as a business owner? How can you diversify your sources of income? So uh, in, terms of, in terms of your income, before you think about diversifying your sources of income, the first rule would be make sure you have the emergency fund. Okay. Secondly, to build a, after you build an emergency fund, you need to make sure that you set aside some money. Not, not all of the business owners have the financial ability to just open a drawer and take out a massive bag of money. <laughs> so in that respect, the first rule would be try to set aside anywhere in between 5 to 15% maximum of what you're earning 
after taxes, after expenses, after everything else, and set it aside in a savings account on a monthly basis if possible. But this has to become a, um, a habit. Mm -hmm. If you set aside some money one month, but the next month you believe that there are more important objectives, you're actually stealing from yourself in that respect. Yeah. You're not considering yourself financially important enough to create stability, just mm -hmm. in case. Once you set aside about 10, 15,000, you can then think about investing it in the financial markets, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, in that respect, every person invests in the, in the stock markets, in the property markets, in any, in any specific market available out there to achieve returns above inflation. What does that mean? I'm not sure if you're aware what inflation is. I mean, you can explain it to our audience, yes. Of course. So inflation is a, a specific financial concept, if you like, which says that over time your money loses purchasing power. If you have 100 euros today, you'll be able to buy certain assets. Let's say you'll be able to buy a, a very nice pair of sunglasses. However, within five years' time, the same 100 euro may not allow you to buy the same pair of sunglasses because the prices mm -hmm. tend to go up. Living expenses tend to increase on a yearly basis. So in that respect, you need to make sure that the money you have doesn't just stagnate, but also increases mm -hmm. as the prices increase as well. That's my explanation of inflation. Uh, on a global scale, inflation has been somewhere in the region of 2.5% per annum. So we're, we're sort of expecting to, to see similar inflation rates within the next 10, 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. That's why it's important to make sure that when you save some money, you choose a specific structure which allows you to get returns above 2.5%. And that should actually apply to your business as well. Because if you're making the same money every year and it's a small amount, you'll actually end up losing money because of inflation. You'll lose purchasing power. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? You check, for example, the bank account saving rates. If they're under 2.5%, you're losing money by the moment, by the minute. You look into the stock markets, which provide some good opportunities. You look into the property markets to see if they provide good opportunities. And mm -hmm. you also consider a reinvestment into your business, which is quite important. Mm -hmm. That's the point where you have some money to basically see what sort of options you have on the market to yeah. supplement your income. My personal recommendation is to try to steer away from investing all of your money in your business because if the business fails, mm -hmm. all of your golden eggs will be gone. So in that respect, I recommend checking the stock markets, checking property markets to diversify into different asset classes. Whilst this sounds very good in theory, for many yeah. people, the, the subject of, uh, of financial planning is not their favorite, not their cup of tea, let's say. Yeah, so <laughs> That's something that we want to postpone. We don't want to think about that, about the worst case scenario, but it's so, so important to protect yourself, actually. Exactly. Rather than living with the pressure of not knowing yes. how much you can stretch your finances, how much you can stretch your money off, or whether or not you'll be, you'll be uh, faced with financial hardship, I would recommend to go and have a quick chat with a specialist. Nowadays, mm -hmm. the market is very competitive. You'll come across a lot of people willing to help you and give you some good advice in terms of what you need to do to protect yourself and your financial future. Yes, definitely. And so for 
entrepreneurs. We just launched a service-based company and a website. What are the steps that we should take in order to respect compliance policies? That's a very, very good question. Talking about compliance, I believe that's the second most <laughs> not wanted said, subject. Least, least loved <laughs> subject in the world, yes. except for lawyers. Yes. Myself and lawyers will love compliance. So in that respect, we're actually going through a, an age of supra-regulation, which means there's legislation on top of legislation, laws on top of laws, trying to prevent disasters from happening. Whilst it would be ideal that these laws are set in the first place to prevent bad situations, regulation mm -hmm. is actually quite reactive. It is yes. not a proactive force, it's a reactive force. It comes after the damage has been done. So mm -hmm. in that respect, I would say, first and foremost, do a research in terms of the regulation which applies in your particular sector, in your particular job. Mm -hmm. Many jobs come with uh, basic requirements in terms of qualifications, in terms of um, information to be conveyed and shared with the clients at all times. And mm -hmm. very importantly, the amount of information and details you need to disclose to the person you're trying to do business with mm -hmm. so they can make an informed decision before they become a client. Yes. Doing a research, a very thorough research, is my first recommendation in that respect. Secondly, it would be to actually uh, keep abreast of developments in terms of legislation, which sounds very complicated, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> a simple way to do that would simply be to subscribe to the authorities' websites. To give you an example, in finance, we have authorities like the Financial uh, Conduct Authority, the FCA in the UK, we have um, uh, FINRA, we have SISEC here in Cyprus. So every, every specific jurisdiction has a local authority which supervises that particular sector. Mm -hmm. On their website, more often than not, they have an RSS feed. Yes. You can subscribe to that in your email and then each time there's a circular, a directive or any other update from them, it will just come as a headline in your inbox. Mm -hmm. Spend about 15-20 minutes every morning with your coffee if you like, if mm -hmm. you can digest it of course, checking the updates in terms of legislation as well. This actually allows you to implement things before the rest of the market and that actually okay. gives a business a competitive advantage okay. and the the third thing would be to be very thorough mm -hmm. there's an avalanche of information on the internet that doesn't necessarily mean it's all correct and that doesn't necessarily mean it's all up to date if you feel mm -hmm. you're you're suffocated by the the amount of information available out there and you're still unclear about your options Talk to a specialist, yeah. consult a lawyer or consult a compliance specialist in that particular field. These are people that are able to actually help you quite a lot in getting a clear understanding of what you need to do as a minimum and what you can do if you want to prove that you're even better than everybody else in terms of compliance. And to give you an example where you can find such people, business networks are very, very important. I'll give you an example. Myself, I'm a part of a business network called BNI, Business Networking International, which has a presence all over the world, mm -hmm. where basically I have the ability of discussing all sorts of business matters with specialists from every single field. And of course, at the same time, we exchange referrals, which makes it so much nicer. <laughs> <laughs> because we grow our businesses together. So take advantage of business networking. 
take advantage of Rotary Clubs, of Women's Association, of uh, BNI, if you like, of Internations meetings, where you can actually discuss and pick the specialist brains yes. to find the right formula for your business. True. Networking is key, especially when you are beginning as a solopreneur, you think that you have to know everything and do everything by yourself. You don't have to be alone, actually. So as you said, networking is so, so powerful for entrepreneurs. Exactly. And the best part is if you, if you actually come across some very serious and professional business partners, like I, I was lucky enough to do, you can also get discounts. Say yeah. later on in your business, you need to hire a, uh, I don't know, a lawyer or an accountant or an auditor or stuff like that. Through business mm-hmm. networks, you can also benefit from discounts which you wouldn't get otherwise. So from a financial standpoint, you have the ability to find specialist advice in terms of your business on how to solve challenges we all come across at some point during our business life cycle. You can get discounts in terms of the services you might need sometime in the future. And thirdly, if you prove the fact that you're able to run your business and you have your client's best interest at heart, I'm 100% sure you'll also get some referrals. Yes. That's all right. And so where can people find you and your services? You can find me pretty much everywhere. I'm on the World Wide Web. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually consult for a a company which helps clients from over 50 in over 50 countries. But if you'd like to come across uh, some more specialized information, you can always get in touch with me via my website, wiserfinance.org. I'm also present on LinkedIn, posting all sorts of updates, market updates, interacting with people, trying to answer most common uh, questions. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can also find me via Facebook with Maria Wiser Finance. So we've come to the end of this interview. Thanks a lot, Maria, for being here. We've learned a lot today and it's very rare to come across a finance expert like you and also willing to share so much valuable information for new entrepreneurs. So thanks a lot for this. I don't know if you have one last word that you want to add. Thank you very much for listening in and thank you very much for inviting me here. I would like to have one last word with all the lovely people listening. Just because it's complicated, that doesn't mean it's impossible. Believe in yourself enough to give yourself the resources financially, mentally, and emotionally to succeed in your business. And when you feel you need some help, feel free to ask. There's always somebody looking for people exactly like you to help succeed in their journey. And if you have any specific questions regarding your finance as a new entrepreneur, feel free to contact Maria on our different platforms. I will put the link on my website. She will be very happy to help you manage and understand everything regarding your finance. So don't hesitate to contact her. Thank you. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Maria. Have a nice one. Thank you very much as well. Have a good day. That's already the end of the episode. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Share this episode with your friends and comment to let me know that you like this kind of subject. Also, if you want to hang out with me, follow me on Instagram at ah.diaello, where I share more of my entrepreneurial journey and my services. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get notified when a new episode comes out. 
Until then, I wish you a nice day and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.